Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. Hallelujah. So the theme for this camp meeting is what? Contagious. And what we mean by that is we're talking about making radical and viral spiritual impact. Making radical and viral spiritual impact. Yesterday night, we started, some people were asking for the title. If I was to give you the title, I would call it Contagious Love, right? And today, I want to talk about contagious devotion. Contagious devotion. As a slogan, you can add worth your salt as a question. Are you worth your salt? The metaphors that we're going to be riding with throughout this camp meeting is salt and light. Because when salt is absent from a dish, you can tell. And when it is present, you can tell. Light. Maybe that's why Jesus said you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Your impact shouldn't remain a secret. You are the salt of the earth. Everybody, Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 I want you to read it loud as you can. Are you in Matthew 5.13? I didn't hear your response. Read it as loud as you can. One, two, go. You are the salt of the earth. But if a salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. When many people talk about this, you know, they stop at the first part, but we want to examine the entire verse. What does that mean? First and foremost, the phrase, you are the salt of the earth. What does it mean? You know, in modern day communication, that doesn't really make much sense. You can tell by reading that this is meant to be a compliment, but it's not so much of a compliment. Because in our days, salt is not expensive. And so it's interesting that Jesus is trying to communicate our worth and he says you are the salt of the earth. You may have preferred him saying you are the gold of the earth or the silver of the earth or the diamond of the earth. But he says salt. Is that really a compliment? Or maybe it's an insult. You see what I did there? You see? (laughs) But here is something you must know. In those days, salt was so valuable that, in fact, the Romans, instead of money, sometimes would take salt. Salt was currency. For some people, a medium of exchange. And that's where the phrase, he's not worth his salt, is coined from. He's not worth his salt. That's how valuable salt was. It was some form of currency. 
It could pass for a medium of exchange. And so Jesus is saying this to his church. You are important. You're not a nuisance. You're an important addition. You are a blessing, not a curse. Listen. There's so many bad examples out there, but the church is still God's idea. We are still the salt of the earth. Say amen like you believe it. We're not a distraction, we're a blessing. Say that about yourself. Say, I'm not a distraction. I'm a blessing. But then we come to the second part. It says, but if the salt loses its savor or its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Again, this is something that many people don't understand in modern day, you know, communication because salt loses savor. Salt in those days was gotten, you know, from the sea. And historically, that type of salt sometimes had a lot of impurities. And so it loses its flavor. But what does Jesus mean by maybe the believer losing his flavor? What does it mean? Let's read in context and let's see the flow of thought. Let's look from verse 11. It says, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. And so, following the context rule of Bible interpretation, to be salt means to be joyful in suffering, to be joyful in persecution. Or let me put it this way, to be salt requires that you are joyful in persecution. So this is the ideology. You are of immense value, value, spiritual value, but the world is carnal and they can't see it. They don't know who we are. How be it when, we are, when he appears, we'll be like him. That's what the Bible says. So they don't know it. And just like the story I told you of Jesus yesterday, they beat him, they spat on him until he died and they realized they were wrong. This indeed was the son of God. He was the light of the world and they didn't know it. And so now, God is saying, you are salt, you are light, your world may never recognize it. But don't because of their persecution change your position or conviction. This is very important. Don't begin to compromise to blending because they don't understand you. That's what it means to be salt. Mark's account of this seems to corroborate it. Look at Mark. Mark chapter 3. 
Give me a second, please. Mm. Yeah. So Mark 9, let's read from verse 47. Get ready. This is tough speech. He says, and if your eye causes you to sin, <laughs> tear it out now. When I'm done, I think you will have more insight into what he's actually saying. He says, for it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes be thrown into hell. He says, where the worms die not out and the fire is not quenched. He says, for everyone, everybody read verse 49 together, I want to go. For everyone will be salted with fire. Now verse 50, listen to this. He says, salt is good, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace one with another. So when he says everyone will be salted with fire, what, what does he mean? I believe he means that everyone will encounter trouble and pain in life. Especially on account of the gospel. And whatever suffering and pain seeks to cut away from your life, let it go. Because even if it means getting into heaven without those things, it is still better. Do you understand the position now? So in both contexts, he's telling you whatever you need to suffer or go through just because you are salt and they don't get it, you are light and they don't get it. Go through it. You believe in Jesus and so your family kicks you out. Now, I mean, it happens all the time. Just look at the beautiful souls who came out, you know, to profess their faith in Jesus yesterday. If you're from another religion and you choose to follow Jesus, it's not going to be easy. But it's going to be worth it. And that's why God gives you a guarantee. I mean, when the church plays its role well, such a thing will not be a big deal. Because he says, if your father should kick you out, you will inherit a hundredfold. Meaning there will be hundred people in the church ready to be your dad. Don't worry. It's still not going to be easy though. You are salt. Don't you lose your saltiness. For some of you, I mean, if your parents knew you were in a club, they wouldn't mind. I've seen parents like that. They don't mind. But the moment you say you are going to church, now there's a problem. What are you doing? What are they teaching? You know, and all of that. And even if you try your best, you're still going to go through a lot. And the Bible is making clear for you to understand it's part of it. It says all the prophets before you went through it. Jesus went through it. He's your example. Please, do you understand this? I'm asking again. I said, do you understand this? Say, I'm the salt of the earth. Say, I'm salty. <laughs> Hallelujah.
when you have a job and they give you a condition to compromise or to lose your promotion offer, you are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your saltiness. You don't have to cave in or compromise. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you lose friends, it's okay. You, you see, this insatiable desire to be liked, you can't have it and truly follow Jesus. Are you listening to me? Uh-huh. You are the salt of the earth. Take your position. You are the light of the world. And then he, he, he promises you, is everyone will be salted with fire. Your convictions will be tested. They will be. Everyone will be salted with fire. I like the fact that the Bible, you know, is so upfront about these things. It's not a surprise if it happens. It's not. Comes with a package. And you literally have to choose your salt. (laughs) It's either you are the salt of the earth or you are Lot's wife. It's true. It's true. And so in Luke chapter 17, verse 32, everybody open your Bibles. Luke 17, verse 32. One of the shortest sermons ever. <laughs> Jesus said, remember Lot's wife. Help me preach that to the person by your side. Say, remember. <laughs> Tell someone else, say, remember Lot's wife. That's so instructive. Because you see, now, on one hand, we talked about Sodom, Gomorrah, and what was happening. Let me tell you this, and this is a very important lesson for some of us. If you follow Jesus for convenience, your faith will not last. Check throughout the Bible. Even if God blesses, you can't follow God having an attachment to things. Because even the privilege to be in Sodom and Gomorrah, arguably, in some sense, came by prophecy, right? He chose Sodom. Abraham allowed him to choose. Because all the lands by promise were for Abraham, right? So he allowed him to choose. And he went there. But now, the land is going to be in ruins. You are used to the convenience that God brought. But now, the same God is saying, come out. Now, coming out won't be easy. You're going to have to stay on the mountains for a few days. No hotel, no inns. But because God said so, you're going to have to come out. And be comfortable there. Lot's wife had become 
so used to the big life, so used to convenience. I mean, even the things God gave. This ungodly attachment to things, she just couldn't look away. She just couldn't. She was going with everyone else and then she looked back. She looked back. This is very important. You know, I've been saying this time and again. You know, the church tends to emphasize what God can give, what God can give, what God can give. And, and I mean, even camp meetings like this, what are we gathered for except for miracles and breakthroughs and all of that? And I believe in, the, of course, uh, do I need to tell you that? But your core must be stronger. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? Your core must be stronger. And so, at the moment's notice, if angels show up at your doorstep, like they did lots, and they say, leave everything and go, you must be willing to go without looking back. And if you're not there yet, this is the word of the Lord to you. Remember. 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 For some people, subconsciously, their faith is God, in, God is tied to things. Okay, you lose a job. So what? Listen, I know it's bad, but you're not the first. Move on. Move on. Listen, the Bible says, they that know their God shall be strong. I know we like to do exploits parts. But, but you, some Christians, you know, the slightest challenge, their world crumbles. They just, any small thing. Any small thing. Why does it always have to be about performance and results and all these things? About money and about being comfortable. Where did we learn this? That's not the God of the Bible. Please, are you listening to me? So listen, as salt, I must be ready. To maintain my position even when it is difficult. This is very important. In season and out of season. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. In season and out of season. And so if... If provision takes you somewhere... The same God must be able to take you out. You stop complaining and whining like a child. You have to choose if you are serving things, material things, or you're serving God. They are not the same. Come on, I said amen. Amen. So if I was to break down my charge this morning, I'll break it down into four things. Talking about contagious devotion. Number one, 
Learn to be faithful in spite of persecution. Number two, cast away idols. Please, what did I call number two? The reason I'm saying this is this. If we just gather together to pray, if your theology is not right, your devotion will pamper carnality. It will swell up more. It will get stronger. It will get stronger because when you have a carnal mind, you will embrace the theology that is only about things. And so ironically, your prayer will make you more carnal. You'll be worse. You are coming to church, but your, your character is garbage and trash. So religious, but you can do anything for money. You can swindle, you can maybe even plot against people. You can't be the salt of the earth that way. That's why I want to take time to talk about all of this. You must learn to endure hardness as a soldier of Christ. Be faithful in spite of persecution. You must learn to cast away idols. And then... This morning, I want us to experience what I will call fresh oil. Did you hear what I said? Yes, uh, you might have been praying for a breakthrough, direction, and all those things is great. But I sense that this morning, at a camp meeting like this, God wants us to live fresh. Like a car that has just been maintained, has just gone for servicing. Fresh. Fresh. Every other thing will go with it, but fresh. That your conviction will be fresh again. Your optimism about spiritual things will be fresh again. Your boldness for the things of God, fresh again. Your worship, your love life in God, fresh again. What did I call number one, please? What did I call number two? What did I call number three? Fresh oil. And then four, finally, we'll talk about fresh power. Please turn your Bibles. First John chapter 5, verse 21. First John chapter 5, verse 21. Oh my God. Everybody read it together loud as you can. One, two, go. Read it again. Read it again. Keep yourselves from idols. Things in your life that take the place of God. Keep yourself from idols. Let me tell you this. If you spend time praying, one way to know that you were successful is that you cast away idols. Because in the place of prayer, 
your priorities are tried. Your priorities are tested. And your priorities are corrected. Say loud amen. amen. It is something to trust for in this camp meeting. Keep yourself from idols. It could be anything. For some of you, it's the opinion of men. Some of you, 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 in your heart, you love the Lord. But you know, you don't want to come across as, you know, too churchy. In your defense, you might have had bad experiences, but there's this also. Until you're losing yourself from that, you can't really follow God. You know, some of us just like to be trendy. And I'm glad I'm the one preaching this. <laughs> do you understand? Because being a child of God does not mean you can't do things well. Dress as decently and as nicely as you can. But it's a different thing to be worldly. It's a different thing to, to attach your sense of self-worth to those things. You just want to be among. You can't serve God that way. Let me tell you this. As the light of the world, you are the trendsetter. You are the trendsetter. And so with worldliness, you have lost your salt. Look at the person that the world is supposed to be looking up to. Just going under pressure, trying to jump on everything. Get cautious. See, so, I want to say this, and I know that the Lord will show you my heart. So, as a church, you know that we are very vibrant and youthful, and, you know, we are determined to make sure that um, we emphasize that the core of every, at the core of everything is a heart that is aligned to God. You know, some people think maybe ladies shouldn't wear trousers and all those things. Which even logically is, you know, is, is funny to me. Because in the real scheme of things, it's not about trousers or skirts. There are some skirts that are worse than trousers. Yes or yes? There are some skirts that if you see, you will give them trousers. You, give... <laughs> you never see skirts. You know, people wear pocket square now. Pocket square. People say, <laughs> you know, like that trending video. Ah, four of you sold one yard. <laughs> and so, baby, what we are trying to stand for is decency, right? There are some contexts, and this is how you know your theology is uh, wobbly, when it does not um, add up in some contexts. So if, if you have a lady engineer who is supposed to climb up a ladder or something, which is better, trouser or skirt? <laughs> 
Westgate and climb ladder now. Your fall will be more than Lucifer's own. <laughs> we will go for past Lucifer. <laughs> oh, is, is that up for debate? Yes, <laughs> Which is better, trouser or skirt? <laughs> of course. Hallelujah. But then there's another extreme where you just want to jump on every trend. Let me tell you this. Again, I just want to say this. You are the light of the world. And I believe that a Christian should at least model some moderation. Some. Not always arguing, is it wrong? Is it a sin? Not everything that is not a sin is beneficial. I think PL was preaching some time ago. And she said, well, it's not a sin to run and stand at the center of the main road, the expressway. It's, it's foolish. It's foolish, but it's not a sin. Because it can put you, your life in danger. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I, I want to say this because I have the privilege to be leading a lot of young people. And please don't get me wrong, but it has to be said. In this time and age, we need to preach and practice contentment. Do you understand what I'm saying? This insatiable desire, you know, to look better, and you, you, you would likely do things you will regret. I'm not totally against it. There are some contexts, all right? So thank God for science. If some things can be corrected, correct it. Do you understand what I'm saying? If there's a way to make your dentition better, take it, you know? Or in some cases, I don't want to argue the extent. In some cases, plastic surgery may be okay. But in your heart of hearts, if you know that you are doing this, you know, just to be among, or maybe what you see in the media is making you no longer appreciate how you look. That's not of God. That's not of God. And then such things never end. They never end. Most people who went, you know, just, they would say, I will just correct this side. Before they know it, you've done eight operations. That's how it works. That's what happens. And you just keep getting worse. So at the end of the day, you just need to remember who you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, you, you, you're okay. <laughs> you're beautiful. Don't believe the lies. I wanted to say something, but I don't want to trend for the wrong reason. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Oh. Maybe it's the African, this thing. Okay, I won't say it. Don't worry. <laughs> no, you won't bait me. No. Maybe after a boot camp. <laughs> Let me just ask you this. Wait now. I'll, I'll move on. Now. 
Okay, sometimes I ask myself. <laughs> ah, sorry. Well, it looks good, but does it feel good though? Oh, deep. You see, if all you want to do with it is pictures, that's fine. <laughs> but, but I actually read a scientific report that many guys don't actually like it. You'll be saying, ah, I know all of you pretend as if you are in the inner court, me, I'm outside. But you know what I'm saying. And these things have to be said. I saw a sad video. A lady had done all these things. And then the guy changed his preference. Preferences change, don't they? Anyway, that's another level of stupidity because if you're doing anything, it should be for yourself to begin with, okay? Not for anybody. But anyway, some people do it for people, which is another level of, I, I don't know. God help us. But references change. Even, even in the secular space, it's not up to two decades ago, the definition of beauty was skinny, long neck. I'm just wondering, like, how is starvation fine like this? <laughs> it, I think it makes no sense to an African man. And, no, I'm saying this. No, if you're like that naturally, that's fine. Please don't get me wrong. All right? You know, but some people actually starve themselves to look like that. All I'm saying is this. The word of God says, keep yourself from idols. Your look can be an idol. Have you seen people, every mirror, no matter how small, <laughs> do like this. Every, everything that has reflection, including spoon. You know? <laughs> you know it needs to be said. It's getting too much. It's getting too much. It's getting too much. Listen, and if the Bible can say of Jesus that we don't have a high priest that is not touched, talk less of me. <laughs> Do you understand? Because at some point I had to. Uh, there was a day I was riding a car. I remembered, ah, I didn't spray perfume. I wanted to go back. I said, no. Ah, ah. This is getting too much. I wasn't like that. It's bad influence. Samuel Jagade, you know? <laughs> I was not like that. And it's just the same way people introduce others to drinking. They say, ah, you don't want to drink? Bam and bring. That's the way he would take me to the perf shop. I said, I don't want. He bought for me. That's how I was. I started buying until I reached 30. I said, no. Ah. I said, no. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> so I, I came to, you know. You know, I saw online, someone put 15 bottles and say them frag, frag, frag head, 15 bottles. Ha. That's when I knew, I started praying. I said, so people with 15 bottles are fragged. I'm in trouble. 
You know what I did? I gave some of them out. Uh-uh. Maybe five good ones are okay. You know what I'm saying is true. Oh, well, maybe ten. <laughs> Don't worry, God is working on me. It's not small, small. <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me say this, and I will say this once. Not every trend is organic. Not every trend is organic. Some of them have ulterior motives, hidden meanings, like, for instance, there was one of you yesterday who wore a T-shirt with a satanic symbol. You just, don't just buy anything. In this world, you must be curious, what does it mean? What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? What does this mean? I'm warning you Are you listening to me? Not every trend is organic. And let me say this. If you are someone who is always itching to be among, the devil will catch you many times. No matter how prayerful you are, he will catch you many times. You have to understand, every temptation of Jesus had to do with ego. If it was women, I mean, easy for Jesus or any other thing, money. But when they say, if you are the son of God, come down. You know, come down from the cross. You know, it's, a, it's an easy thing for you. Bow and I will give you all the kingdoms of this world. Listen, if you have not practiced a strong conviction, the day of trial, you'll be surprised. You would have taken it before you realize. And that's why Christians need to practice with small things. Practice with small things. What I'm about to say is very difficult because there is institutionalized crime in this country. If a policeman wants to be irresponsible, he has laws to back him up. I don't even want to go into that. But don't, at the same time, become so used to it. Lasma catches you. Before they even talk, you say, oh, yeah, take, take, take. Friends, that's bribery. Don't spiritualize it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And every time I say, okay, you say I'm wrong, let's go to your station. They are always shocked. Let's go. Years ago, we made a U-turn. They said, we're not supposed to make a U-turn. How? <laughs> Here, they said uh, that there was actually a sign that said no U-turn, but Agberos removed it. but I should have known. Listen, that's the country you live in. 
But at the same time, I'm not, we can talk about the government and we do that as often as we can. We're talking about you. You know, I've told you before, righteousness is a, is a habit. Are you aware? Because the more you keep doing that, it will be easier for you. You will get used to it. And so when bigger things come, you will be more likely to do it. You just used to pain your way out of it. And by the way, the better country that we so desperately seek will not emerge if all of us are so quick to enable these guys. You know it's true. Maybe they do it because there's a market for it. And then when you know that you cannot bribe, you will also drive well. <laughs> Should I talk? Yeah, when you know that you, you, you don't want to do that, you don't want to be found in that situation, why is your license expired? Child of God, why? Why are you driving without license? And then when you hear that someone was careless and knocked someone off the road, you are angry. Meanwhile, you are guilty of that kind of negligence as well. And we have to move on so that we can pray. Spiritual maintenance. I told you, I mean, it's, it's very interesting that, you know, in the Bible, anointed oil or anointing oil was a metaphor for the Spirit. It was used as a symbol of the Spirit in the Old Testament. It's oil also, right? And there's something about motor oil that tells us what the anointing does for us also. Because no matter how fancy your car is, if you don't service it from time to time, the performance will continue to reduce. Some of you, your performance, you're not performing optimally spiritually. And prayer meetings like this oil your spiritual joints. Oil your spiritual joints. Say, that's why I'm here. Some of you, you need it desperately. You, in fact, this reboot camp was so timely for you. You need it. The psalmist said, Psalm 92 verse 10, With my horn, you shall exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Hallelujah. Oh, in this meeting, you will be anointed with fresh oil. Fresh, fresh fire from on high. Anointed with fresh oil. Fresh. Turn the Bible's Ephesians chapter 5. <laughs> so in the place of prayer, our conviction is strengthened in spite of persecution. We cast away idols. We receive fresh fire. Just so you know that I'm still following the train of thoughts. Oh, glory to God. 
Look at verse 8. Oh my God. It says, for you were sometimes darkness, but now are you light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. It says, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Fruit of the Spirit means evidence of the Spirit's influence. This is the evidence of the Spirit's influence. Goodness and righteousness and truth. And that tells you that the listing of the fruit of the Spirit, you know, in Galatians chapter 5, it wasn't a strict list. Because truth was not there, but it's here. Come on, are you getting it? So he's just telling you generally that if you have the Holy Spirit, it ought to show in goodness, in righteousness, and in truth. It says, proving what is acceptable unto God. The Greek word there actually means to approve. Oh my God, are you with me? So he's saying, approve the will of God in your life. If God says it is right, it is right. If God says it is wrong, it is wrong. It's not a matter of trend. It's not a matter of popularity. This is how you approve the will of God in your life. Say that I approve the will of God in my life. You see, and this is another thing that prayer and consecration does. Because let me say this. You might not have heard this before. But I'm saying it categorically that in the world, you consistently become empathetic. And of course, we must always um, be empathetic, but to understand the context towards things that defy our conscience and our convictions. In this trendy world, if you're not careful, gradually you're just like, is it really a big deal though? And then all of a sudden, Christians are too serious. Christians are too deep. And then now, listen, I'm glad it is Paul saying this. This is not some Old Testament text. And I'm coming to this because I notice, you know, a lot of grace preachers, whether consciously or unconsciously, avoid texts like this. And it's just there. Looking right at us. This is an epistle of Paul. Everybody, verse 11. Read verse 11 together loud as you can. One, two, go. Read it again, one to go. All right. Have no fellowship. So you see, in the place of prayer, my convictions are strengthened and preserved. Maybe I have become relaxed about something. You know, let me say this. <laughs> and the person is in this service. You know, there was someone... <laughs> Who recommended a movie that was mostly full of, full of nude scenes? And listen, in this generation, you know, I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Many times you just have to fast forward because the movie is good, right? Well, maybe not. Because 
I began to ask myself, well, how long will this continue? How long? Because religious values aside, this is harmful to a generation. It's harmful. Are we going to pretend that people are not struggling with masturbation in this room? Listen, and so I just realized, like I told you, it's an exercise. The Bible says to exercise yourself unto godliness. So you have to start with the small things. When you were younger and vibrant in the things of God, notice you were stricter. Some of those things you won't watch at all. The moment it's starting, you put it off. But now, I mean, you are very mature in the Lord. You are a grandfather in the faith. And it is since you became a grandfather, you started having problems. Haven't you noticed? You know, it was years ago I read a testimony, quote unquote, from somebody who is not even a Christian, who just saw that, you know, this masturbation habit was affecting his family, his health, you know, and decided to stop. And then he said, as at the time of that writing, it was one year since he did it. And I'm just like, for some Christians, this is still a debate. Have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness. He said, instead, reprove it. Please, are you listening to this? It, you know, so, so the reason I'm saying this is because, and I'm not saying this to judge you, but every one of us, when we come for a camp meeting like this, God must help us realign our priorities, correct us, so that the version of us that came will not be the version of us that leaves. Say loud, amen. amen. So you, you, you have to start even with the small things, even if... Because you need to understand the science of habits. There are things called triggers. And so those small sins can be triggers. And no wonder, maybe that's why I had to start with, you know, explaining what the Bible calls being the salt of the earth biblically. Because it's going to take a lot of gods in this coming age to say, you know what? Everybody is watching this, but I will not. I'm telling you, there is no way around it. We are coming to that point where we say, I'm not going to watch this. It's popular, but it's not okay. I shouldn't be seeing this. Let me say this. Are you ready for this? You know, and I was having a conversation with someone, and he said something just in passing, and it was simple and profound. So let me start with this. In the body of Christ, there's an endless debate on grace, on works. You wouldn't like to know my position as if you don't already. Most of you don't. Because in the body of Christ, we are quick to associate. Once someone just mentions grace, you say, ah, it's a grace preacher. I think for the most part, both sides are wrong. And I will tell you why. 
the gospel is definitely a gospel of grace. And the Bible says, perfect love casts out fear. You're not supposed to be a Christian and constantly afraid you're going to miss heaven. That's not God's will for your life. And I can give you a thousand scriptures to prove it. So the problem is not that it is incorrect. The problem is that it is incomplete. Even in our teachings, we use silly examples sometimes. You say, the thief at the cross. Is that your example? The thief at the cross, he still made it last minute. That guy in heaven has no reward. He just barely made it in. Is, is that our standard now? Is that what you are using to make an argument? The thief at the cross? That's BRS minimum. That's an extreme. There are some contexts in which that's perfect example. If someone says you must, you know, be baptized with water, you know, say, well, the thief at the cross. You know, but when you are using that as an example to believers, that no matter what, God still accepts you. It's silly, it's irresponsible. Because even if he didn't die, he's a new convert. He's a baby, spiritually. That's not your example. That's not your model. Let me say this. If you have ever overcome a habit in your life, please raise your hand. Now, let me ask you a question. To overcome a habit, is it not true that you must first kill any bit of tolerance for it at all? So now, let me tell you this. The popular grace teaching cannot help people overcome habits. Because it feels like subtly, it's just a pat on the back. It's okay. Dude, I don't know if you get what I'm saying. And forgive me if, if you don't. Uh, you, you see, so. Now, the other extreme is wrong too. But when someone is trying to overcome a habit, don't embellish. Talk about it head on. It, it, you must fight and win. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not... Not every, yeah, all those things. True, but incomplete. It's not incorrect, it's incomplete. You are forgiven, you know, you the righteousness of God in Christ. You, you know, Paul says all this. Let me say this. Every book of the Bible is one sermon. Are you aware? The entire Ephesians is one sermon. And that means, theologically, Paul never told you you are the righteousness of God without placing a demand on that stage, status of righteousness. Everywhere, he now said, in view of the message of God, present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. So that's how Paul preached. So if, if you don't have solid teachings, Addressing these things, helping people, walking them through it. Because you preach grace, you are wrong. Do you understand that? 
and I'm, and I'm not saying this to correct the body of Christ. There'll be time for that. I'm saying this for you. If you're struggling, don't circumlocute. Yeah, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You have to face this thing head on. It is wrong. It is an affront to the redemption of Christ. And I shouldn't be enjoying the very things that Christ shed his blood for. That's how serious it is. He died because of it. My freedom came at a very high cost. High cost. So if before, when it happens, you cry, you lose your sleep, you don't eat, but now because of your understanding, your revelation, you just move on. You are, you are so wrong. You might be in trouble. Please, are you listening to me? So, prayer brings all this balance to our lives. We cast away idols. We correct our priorities. We become firmer in persecution, you know. And then we build ourselves in power. Let me say this. If Christians learn how to approach the place of prayer with a mindset of consecration. <laughs> Let me say this. Get ready for what I'm about to say. If you always have prayer points, you will many times miss the will of God. Because to have prayer points, you have already assumed what you need to do and the direction your life should take. God, I want to go to Canada. I want to go to Canada. What if God doesn't want you to go to Canada? I'm saying, you, 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 you. What if God doesn't want you to go to Canada? So you must have times where you pray with an open spirit. Just praising God, you know, and all of that. Realigning your priorities. Casting away your idols. Because sometimes it is idols you are pursuing that is leading you to migrate. So when you say, God, your will and your will enough. When God now says, separate Paul and Barnabas. Everybody knows it's not ambition. God is leading you to move. You are not seeking a bigger ministry. God led you to move. There are two different things. Two different things. Two different things. So, we're going to pray again, and we're going to be done by 12. This is my advice to you. First, cast idols. Cast away your cares. You see, some of your cares, even legitimate cares, can be idols. You know you can want something so bad, you stop talking to God until he does it. And there are other things God wants to tell you about. <laughs> Other things God wants to instruct you about, you don't hear it. You don't want to hear. Just do this one. Cast all your cares on him for he cares for you. Hallelujah. And you know, I've said this time and again and I'm saying it again. This is even the biggest secret of power. Many people who pray for power don't flow in power as they should. Because the biggest secret of power I've seen is consecration. Just being the will of God. 
when you pray, spend time in the presence of God. When you come out, the Jordans will be turned back. Jordan will be turned back. Mountains will skip like rams. They are trembling at the presence of God, not at your prayer points. Just cultivate the presence. Just tarry. Cast all your cares. And be determined to do whatever he says to do. No matter how far you had gone in your own plan, if he says stop, you do what? I sense that this prayer time is about to save some lives. I want to pray for you that any one of you who is in error will be corrected. By the mercy of God. It doesn't matter how close you are to it. Let me pray a prayer. If you are not ready to say amen, people will say amen for you. Even if next week is the wedding, if it's the wrong person, the Lord will cancel it. Mm -hmm. The Lord answers prayer. You came all the way for God. Let him work on you. Sometimes the transformation might not make sense. How does Jacob explain? Why are you limping? Oh, I had an encounter with God. Ah, ah, which kind of encounter be this? When God is working on your life, sometimes you will complain. It will look like he's damaging it. You finish from a camp meeting and your, your relationship scattered. <laughs> I don't know why the Lord is moving me in this direction. <laughs> because some of us, when God is trying to deliver us, we, we are the ones fighting. It's like we like oppression. It's a dysfunctional mindset. Let God scatter it. You know, so, someone shared a testimony. Oh my God. Okay, I, I don't know if I have permission to share that, so I can't. But I, I've seen it, you know, you were waiting for something so bad, it didn't pull through. You were even angry at God. And then later it becomes clear that God delivered you. Haven't you seen things like that? So learn to trust God. Some people literally dodge bullets and they don't know. They're angry. They're angry. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. The Lord delivers him from them all. I am telling you, oh my God, from idols, from wrong decisions, you know, you know, from this fear of missing out, from whatever it is that is plaguing you, the Lord is bringing you out of it. Yeah. And they are coming out with fresh oil. Yeah. Hallelujah. You came all the way to pray, so stand up. Listen. If you knew that the next hour and a half will change your life. If you could see from the future and just see that it will change your life. You will invest more. My advice to you is this. When the Lord says, strike the arrow on the floor, strike it. Let him hold your hand and say, it's okay. Don't be the one to stop. Let the, the arrow will break. Your clock is a distraction. When it is time, we will stop you. Hallelujah. 
hold on. The, the, the evidence of prayer is not time. It's answer. It's answer. You didn't come for time. You came for an answer. Let us be the one to interrupt you and say, in Jesus' name we pray. You know, there is something our parents got right. Their pastors needed bell. Because if they don't ring that bell, the, the people won't hear. Sometimes they have to ring it repeatedly. You know, because the people are not waiting for the prayer to round off. Immerse yourself into this thing. Hallelujah. Let your profiting appear to all. And if you leave this place limping, a broken leg is better than a broken life. Any appendage, anything attached to you that is damaging your focus and distracting you, let God uproot it, okay? And you come out better. Don't be surprised. After this camp meeting, you will just discover that some associations and friendships will disappear. They will be the ones to say, you know, you'll be wondering, uh, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? I discovered recently, when God has a plan for your life, he orchestrates even the minute details. I look back at our 10th anniversary, I was looking at my life and I said, ah, I now understood everything. Even the family I was born to, the type of dad I have, the type of mom I have, I saw the blessings of everything. When my dad will make me fast as a child, six years old, I will fast till 12. Everybody is breaking by six, but I will fast till 12. I had been fasting as a boy. I didn't understand. When I was in JS2 and he made me pray 10 hours daily, three days. Now, the man doesn't preach anywhere. He was raising a preacher. He didn't know. He didn't know. So many things made sense. You know, a man of God said, it takes God 100 years to raise a man of God. 100. He begins with their generation. You know, there's... there's there's, there's a boy I saw, you know, um, in, in the Lekki Church, the anniversary of Lekki Church. The moment I saw him, I, I said, your dad is a pastor. He said, yes. It, I'm, for people who are sensitive, you can smell it. Generational blessings are real. Don't joke with it. Generational, I, I was seeing him for the first time. I don't know if the person is here. I don't know if the person is here or his brother is here. You're there, right? Okay, God bless you. You know, I was seeing him for the first time. I said, your dad is a pastor. Because these things are generational. Check it. You know, even Abraham, for some reason, Abraham's father left the region of the Chaldeans. The Bible says he was going to Canaan. But for some reason, he stopped in Haran. It was from Haran. The Lord now spoke to Abraham. Leave your family. Go to a place I will show you. And it was the same Canaan. That means God very likely started the work with his dad. Are you getting what I'm saying? Or at least the boldness of his dad to leave taught him something. Do you understand? So when it was time, it wasn't so strange. Because he had at least seen it in seed form in his dad. 
everything God has been doing. Some of you, your, your being here is a miracle. The way God orchestrated it, I'm telling you, is for a reason. That reason must manifest. That reason must manifest. Your profiting will appear to all. So I want you to take a prayer posture. Spend time and make it count. I'm telling you it will count. It will count. Pray until you are done. Go ahead and talk to God. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809 996 7000. Blessings.